I invite you to open your Bibles to Isaiah. Isaiah 50. And we'll begin reading at verse 4. Isaiah 50 and verse 4. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning, he wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be ashamed. We recognize this uh, passage, and I'm just reading part of it, as uh, speaking of Jesus. And what I especially wanted us to notice was verse 7. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned. This, uh, this verse describes one aspect of, of Jesus' mission. To speak a word in a season to him that is weary. And it's part of our mission as well. One translation says, the Lord has given me the tongue of disciples, being that he is divinely taught and being the son of God. He had the spirit of God. And if Jesus was a disciple, certainly we more need to be disciples and learning to speak as Jesus' disciples and know how to sustain the weary one with a word. And then he says, he wakens me morning by morning uh, as though uh, the instructor is waking the students and bringing them together into classroom and is having class with them. Is the, is the scene of what he's describing. And, and we need to wake with this on our hearts, on our minds, learning from God and learning how we relate to others and learning how to speak to others. Um, I, I noticed... The, uh, I knew what we would be covering in our Sunday school lesson this morning from Peter. And I hesitated a little bit, but as I went on with my study, my heart warmed within me and I, I, felt, uh, I felt encouraged to continue. And I, I think there's, uh, there's definitely a link, but it's a little different focus than what we had in Sunday school. There's a a proverb that says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold 
in picture, pictures of silver, in settings of silver, describing something attractive, the right words spoken at the right time and in the right way. What, what a grace that is. Psalm 92, uh, verses 12 through 14. It's a familiar psalm. You may want to flip, flip back there. Psalm 19, beginning at verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. <clears throat> Language is a marvelous thing, it's really a gift. It's designed by God with about 60 different sounds that the human voice can make and with infinite combinations of those sounds, ideas and plans and experiences and thoughts and feelings can be encoded into sounds spoken heard by someone else, and then decoded in their mind, in the mind of the hearer, and understood, uh, at least if you're talking in the same language. Communication from one brain to another. It's really amazing. There's a little debate about how many spoken languages there are in the world today, uh, one estimate is 6,500. And about 2,000, some go up over 10,000, some estimates. But in what I was reading, about 2,000 of those languages have only, have fewer than 1,000 speakers. And just a little side note, the most popular language in the world is Mandarin, Chinese, 1.2 billion people in the world speak Mandarin Chinese. And then there are many, many more dialects, and each of them are made up of many, many, many words. Now, English has about 600,000 words, and I read somewhere uh, some time ago that the average person's vocabulary is about 30,000, much. We don't use nearly all of the English language. But we do know that originally there was only one language. The Bible tells us that. And every word was pure and good. And every conversation was holy. And the conversation between the man and the woman, the first man and woman, was wholesome. The conversation between man and God was sacred fellowship. 
But when man fell, language fell. And bad words and bad speaking became part of communication, part of the vocabulary. Evil thoughts and ideas became subjects of conversation. Most of us would know words that we would never say. Words we wish we didn't know. And we've all had to resist urges to speak, to express feelings that weren't right. And we've all learned or heard tales about others that we would kind of enjoy repeating, but we knew we shouldn't. Our communication can be good, it can be bad. The psalmist said he prayed, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Several things we can learn from this. One is that God knows our words. In thy sight reminds us that God hears every word we say. Yes, even before it is spoken. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. You know, our thoughts are in words. God knows our words. He knows our thoughts. God will judge our words. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account in the day of, a ju of judgment. In Jude, in verse 15, it speaks about uh, judgment coming upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all their hard speeches, all their harsh speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. We, we are concerned, we should all be concerned that our words are acceptable in God's sight. And we notice here that acceptable words come from acceptable meditations. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. We want to be accepted before God. We want to be approved by Him. We want to be pleasing to Him. Would He give us grace to be? Jesus would expect, He calls us to use such words. Now, Jesus did not expect good words from a generation of vipers, from evil people. In Matthew 12, O generation of vipers, 
How can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. Evil words are expected from evil people. Evil people are full of evil. That's what interests them. That's what motivates them. It's the content of much of their communication. Good words come from people that God has changed. That God's Spirit lives in that are pleasing to God. Three things that Jesus said about our words in this this passage from Matthew 12. They come from the heart. And the quality of the heart determines the general quality of the words. And the heart is the real person. What what we really are, without any cover, without any camouflage, that's the heart. And he said they come from the abundance of the heart. There's a quantity there, a proportion. What the heart is mostly filled with, what dominates the, the heart, They come from the treasure of the heart. And that speaks of value. We spoke about value in our Sunday school class this morning. That fits just perfectly with this. What is valuable and what is precious and held dear by the heart? For our words to be acceptable to God, and encouraging to others, they must come from a quality heart, a converted heart, a sincere, a spiritual heart. They must come from, a, from an abundance, a large quantity of the good things of God. They are the, the good things of God are what dominate this heart, this life. We're not talking about a few good words that are boxed away in a dark and dusty and seldom visited corner of the heart. Not just the right words that we cart out at the right time to say, because that's what others expect. But this abundance can only be this abundance can only be stored in the main vault of the heart. The the central chamber of the heart. It's this heart's primary preoccupation. You could say the whole heart. 
And they must come, these words must come from a heart that treasures, that values, and holds dear the precious things of God. Words carry messages. Words are like trucks. Some trucks are empty. Naaman knows about backhauling. Empty trucks running around aren't profitable trucks, aren't making a profit for their owners. Some trucks are loaded with explosives. Some trucks are carrying needed goods, important goods. Some trucks carry treasures. So words carry messages. Messages that can lift the spirit or discourage. They can build, can be used for building or demolishing. They can comfort they can wound. They can nudge a listener closer to God. Help a listener understand God a little better. They can help a listener be attracted to God. Or they can push him away or give him a wrong idea of what God is like. The Bible says a lot about our words and what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. There is a category of speech that should never be heard from a Christian. Ephesians 4 and verse 29, let no corrupt communication Proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, that there be nothing unwholesome that would come from our mouth, but that which builds and is constructive. <clears throat> The Bible mentions many different kinds of words and speech. Blasphemies. Slanderous words. Speaking evil. Grossly disrespectful of God. The worst words a person could say. I believe that words of blasphemy against God come from a life of a blasphemous life. The blasphemy of the Holy Ghost that, this, that Jesus spoke of is, is, not, 
is not an accidental slip of the tongue. But it comes from a blasphemous life. There is immoral talk. Ephesians 5, 3. But fornication, all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Filthy talk, immoral talk, the language of polluted minds with foul obsessions, evil treasures, dirty jokes, colored stories, vulgar and perverted references to sex, mocking purity, mocking godly standards and things that God says are sacred. It's the idolatry of the sensual and flesh-pleasing things. Immoral talk should not be heard. There should be no lying, no telling falsehoods. Lie not one to another. No deceitfulness. Presumptuous words are not upbuilding. James spoke about that. He said, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. You ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Don't approach life and convey by your words and your ideas that I'm in charge, I decide, I plan, and I do what I plan. Now, there's certainly, it's certainly right to plan and put a uh, steps in place. But you know, as a Christian, we say and we think, if the Lord will, if the Lord wills, this is my idea. But God is in control. We don't leave God out. It's presumptuous to consider that we're in control of how things work out. And we don't want to convey that in our words. Angry words, the wrath of man, worketh not the righteousness of God. Cursing and bitter words should not be heard from a Christian. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, venting wrong feelings, wrong attitudes, is poisonous. And uh, the Hebrew writer encouraged us, challenged us, instructed us to look diligently lest there be any root of bitterness springing up that would trouble us, lest any man fail of the grace of God and many be defiled 
in Hebrews 12 and verse 15. Gossip. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends, carrying tales about others. Some people delight in that, spreading sordid muck about others just for the sensation. Enjoying seeing others' reputations tarnished does damage, damaging, does damage to the gossiper. Taking the Lord's name in vain. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Using the name of God carelessly. Joking. Uh, insincere. Words that refer to God and using them lightly. Or calling on God with our words in jest when our heart is not. Contemptuous words. The Sermon on the Mount. Whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Rekha, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Speaking to another with contempt insultingly, Rekha, or calling someone, like the Amplified says, a worthless one, an empty-headed idiot, uh, another translation says. I, I think the word idiot is used too often, is heard too often from Christians. We need to be careful. We're describing someone, someone is being described who was created in the image of God. And God takes name calling, calling, uh, speaking in a way that tears another down. Uh, God takes that seriously. There's a place for nicknames and, you know, jokes about another person teasing but not in this not with this motivation and then Jesus talked about idle words every idle word that men shall speak men shall give account thereof in the day of judgment these are words that don't that don't accomplish anything they don't work they're not working uh, accomplishing something they're lazy they're useless words and uh, humor comes up sometimes when idle words are discussed and jokes well I think that a sanctified sense of humor uh, can can work it can be helpful at the right place at the right time uh, but where where humor 
goes overboard and out of bounds and completely dominates and substitutes for uh, what God would offer as peace and joy. It's a, it's a very, very poor replacement. And so much of the world's programming is, is just so shallow. We should be weary of such silliness and emptiness. But there is a sanctified humor. But we need to watch about idle words. And there are expletives and euphemisms that are used to express exclamations, surprise and disgust. Euphemisms are less offensive words substituted for bad words. Blankety-blank kinds of words used instead of curses or words that would be, uh, that would not be appropriate. <laughs> a dictionary definition would say the substitution of, a, of an agreeable or inoffensive expression for one that may offend or suggest something unpleasant. And I think that a good exercise for Christians is to check the words we use in that category in a dictionary, and sometimes we may be surprised. It's good to be careful. Words can change their meaning and uh, become more acceptable, but sometimes a vulgar term becomes more acceptable and younger users are unaware of where it came from or how it might strike an older person. That might be a subject for a men's meeting sometime. But such words are not helpful building material. We want something else. We want something better. We want something that honors and blesses. Something that honors God, that pleases God. The converted, the transformed, feed on better. They're filled with better. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. John 7, verse 38, Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly or out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. From such a heart, our words can be good words can be productive words. Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Titus 2, 8. Speaking of sound speech, 
that cannot be condemned. Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. A characteristic of this heart is love for God and a love for people, all people. A heart filled with the Spirit of God, with the love of God shed abroad within it, like it says in Romans 5. It will minister grace to the hearers. Not many months ago, not many months ago, I was talking with somebody who had been to Yuma, Arizona a couple of years ago. He had gone there to, uh, Yuma is right on the Mexican border, and he had gone there to cross into Mexico to have some dental work done. And he said that Yuma has a high population of homeless people, many homeless people because they can live outside all year round. And this person saw many homeless people. He talked with some of them. And when he returned to his home back east, it began to bother him that he hadn't really felt compassion for them as he believed Christ felt for them. They were more like a, an interesting curiosity to him. Earlier this week, he uh, called me again from Yuma, Arizona. He has a brother and a sister in different cities in Arizona, and he wanted to visit them on this trip. But the reason that he was in Yuma was to connect with some of these with some of these homeless people to make amends, as it were, not to atone, but to, uh, to correct something he felt God wanted him to do. And he went with a love for them, with an interest in their lives, and with a burden for their souls. And what he wants to do in the few days that he's there is to show them the love of God. And his heart will affect his conversations. Words, excuse me, words convey messages and the words the words come from the heart and the heart often conveys and an unspoken message. It adds 
uh, a seasoning to the words. It adds an atmosphere to the conversation that is felt and understood by the hearer even though the words describing that weren't expressed, but that there is a genuine interest, a sincere interest, a sincere caring, that there's love there. And from such a heart, there can be words of comfort, tender words, weeping with those that weep, caring for the grieving. I wonder what all Jesus said to the widow of Nain. We heard Jesus' words, some of them, to Mary and Martha. There can be words of blessing from such a heart. God bless you, brother. There can be good counsel shared. And it is better received when one senses a love, a care. Testimonies can be shared. God is good. Here is how I found victory. An apology. I am sorry. I am genuinely sorry. Words of mercy. I forgive you. I forgive you. Words of appreciation. Thank you. From Romans 16, I commend unto you Phoebe. Words of instruction. Teaching. Words of warning. Jesus gave warnings. Words of admonition. Words of exhortation. Words that bless, words that build. Beautiful words. Words convey a message. The words come from the heart. And that heart often conveys an unspoken message. It's the heart that the Spirit lives in. And it shows compassion. It's spoken, they're spoken prayerfully. And the words leave the mouth sanctified. Edifying words come from a heart that has been and is being edified by the words and spirit of God. I want to learn more about speaking that way 
I want my heart to grow more, to become more of that kind of heart. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learning. I'm learning. But that would be our call. That would be our challenge for myself and for all of us this morning. That we may learn. That we may grow. In how to sustain the weary one with a word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer.